Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm the Director of the Practice Identity and Access Management here at Kupinger Coal Analysts. This is the final episode for 2022. And for this episode, my guest is Martin Kuppinger. He's the principal analyst and one of the founders of Kuppinger Coal Analysts. Hi, Martin. Good to see you. Welcome, Matthias. Pleasure to talk to you again. Great to have you. And we want to take a look back at 2022. And looking back always means also looking into the future, what will be relevant next year. So if you look back at 2022 as an analyst at the topics that we cover at Identity and Access Management, at cybersecurity, what was most striking and what might have the most influence also on next year? Yeah, I think that that's a, that's a tough question because there are, there are a couple of aspects, some more on the strategic and generic level some more on a sort of a specific technology level. But when I look at some of the, the major um, things that we have observed that we see happening, um, aside of all that work organizations still have to do in the foundational aspects of IAM cybersecurity in modernizing what they did over the past one or two decades, I think there's still zero trust as one of the most relevant topics. I think the, the important thing nowadays is not just what is zero trust and, and why do we need it, but to, to, to really put it into practice. And this is um, the task where it really becomes challenging because it means we need to, to go from a high-level paradigm um, to concrete architectures and understand which capabilities of different types of technologies, such as certain IAM capabilities, certain cybersecurity capabilities, contribute to which extent to a zero trust, really technical architecture, which tools does it finally require? How does this map to what organizations have in place? What do they need to do first, et cetera? So this is, I think, the, the interesting step, which is starting now, so we see organizations working on that. But it's also obvious that there's a um, quite, quite some way to go from the concept and saying, okay, we do a zero trust strategy to a concrete um, implementation to something which then really could be named as a at least almost done zero trust IT security architecture in place. Yeah, our colleague Alex, I mentioned at one of the earlier episodes this year that, that zero trust is a bit like feng shui in an existing IT cybersecurity architecture. The components are already there. They just need to be put in the right manner so that they work properly together and then um, really are the full picture of zero trust. And I, I like that image. Yes. Although it's, it's I, I think it's a bit oversimplification because, yes, a lot of components are there, but Usually not all of them. So um, because it requires some some of the more modern things. So um, zero trust network access, if you need it, instead of traditional VPNs. It requires um, fraud reduction intelligence and adaptive authentication instead of traditional authentication and MFA. It requires a lot of work around policy-based access, which, by the way, is another topic I see as very um, high and hot on the list. 
Absolutely. So moving away from the traditional role-based access control towards more uh, context-specific, more real-time access management decisions, access access decisions. Um, this is really um, something that is embedded in the concept of zero trust, but this is something that has also a, a, a broader picture. It, it is more and more important also in, in traditional IAM st um, strategies and also in application strategies. Um, we've been talking recently about, about passwordless. Is this also something that comes into play there and for the future and for the last year? So I see, I see we saw a huge uptake of passwordless in, in different variants from what some interesting call a, a true and phishing-resistant passwordless authentication to um, passwordless as something which, which is also supported. And, and surely there, there's a blurring line between what is, so to speak, really passwordless and whatnot. At the end, I think user experience and security count here, or convenience and security. But we, we see this momentum behind passwordless authentication. Um, and it, I think the, the, the thing which is increasingly the, the learning is that there, there are two elements in that. So the one is what, what you do, so to speak, for, for the broad mass of many of you, of use cases you have. Um, like built-in support for, for passwordless authentication. What do you do for, for the extended use case or to ensure that a user, regardless of which system in the backend is used, always can use the same type of authentication? So we see an evolution here. And I think the good message, message is that the relevance of passwords is going down, specifically in enterprise environments. Uh, unfortunately, it takes a bit longer, but even there we see see some some uptake in, in consumer centric use cases. So I get more and more situations where uh, apps say, "Okay, do you want to to integrate this with Touch ID or Face ID or whatever else um, to to get passwordless?" So we we see an evolution here. We are on track, and even while we will have passwords for probably many many years, I think the relevance of password passwords is really finally going down, which is a good thing. Absolutely. And this is also the transition line between our two topics. We talked about IAM mainly but until now. Um, if you look at the cybersecurity um, um, aspect of things, are there other aspects that you consider to be relevant for 2022 and maybe also overlapping into the next year? So cybersecurity, I think I already touched zero trust, which is uh, surely one oh. of these these really important areas with, with a lot of elements in that what we see is also this evolution of all these DR technologies, EPDR, EDR, XDR, NDR, MDR, whatever, and also a convergence here into something where we have um, technology and services combined. And this is, from my perspective, a very essential thing for, for the majority of organizations. So most businesses, most organizations can't do the all, all the security themselves. They need partners for their their SOC, their SIEM, their SOAR um, for, for operating this. And the conversion of both technology and, and the, the uptake of, um, of more and more managed service offerings is important because it serves these needs of having sort of tech-enabled managed services in place. 
And I think that also goes beyond what you just described. This is an important aspect that you just mentioned, but we see it also in existing infrastructures that have been run on premises by own teams within larger organizations. And those organizations are really looking at this existing infrastructure and at this existing operating model and think of modernizing that for various reasons, including the skills gap, the people are just not available. So why not hand that over in a proper manner over to a managed service provider? And I think this is a trend that will continue in 2023 as well, right? Yeah, but the key term is proper manner here. So, so you can do a lot of things really badly wrong here um, because you, you still need internal teams that work with the provider. You need to have an exit strategy or, or, a, transf or a transformation strategy to other service providers. You, you need to have some level of skills and you need to, um, to have control about what a service provider does to understand is this really the right way to do it? Um, do we really cover or does, he, does the service provider cover what we need? And so what, what I see far, far too frequent is, is a lack of thorough understanding of what needs to be done internally. Also, how does this integrate with process? So if you have a SOC as a service, you still need a business impact analysis done internally. You still need an incident response management process that goes from that service provider to your internal teams up to your board, depending on which level of crisis you experience. Thing, etc. And I think this is this is something which which tends to be a bit um, underestimated by saying, okay, we, we do it as a service and we are done. But um, there's always a split of responsibility, tenant and provider responsibilities. We're talking about this for decades, more or less, and it remains very essential to have this well-defined, well-sought-out. A split of responsibilities, and usually in a good target operating model, it's it's not only tenant and provider, because there might be a cloud provider, and so the technology used by a managed service provider that works with the internal tech team, that tech team works with other internal teams like like business teams. So you have then four or five or six levels you need to look at with different accountabilities and different responsibilities. And this is what you need to define. I fully agree. And, and as you've mentioned, it's the division of processes, of responsibilities, um, of the way people and organizations communicate with each other along the supply chain, which it is in that, uh, in that uh, aspect. But on the other hand, something that has proven um, really successful, and this is something that we as Kupinger Call Analysts can be a bit proud of, is that we also have a tooling for, for dissecting architectures based on, uh, on standardized methodologies and standardized models and paradigms. And these are the, the fabrics architectures that we introduced um, earlier, so a few years ago, but they really um, gained traction over this year and we used them in yeah. various contexts. And they are also accepted and renowned within vendors and, and other organizations, consulting companies that understand that these are really valuable tools. So the identity fabric, the cybersecurity fabric, and I think um, we, we will work on that in the future as well, right? 
Yeah, and, and I think you know I'm I'm proud of of seeing our, for instance, our identity fabrics paradigm being so widely accepted also by other analyst companies, um, and and incorporated in many organizations used by vendors because it shows that this is something which is really helpful. And I think, and this goes back a bit to zero trust and to other aspects. We need some some sort of of, of a holistic perspective, a bigger picture, and something which is still flexible. So not saying this is the one big monolithic tool, but this is the framework in which we can decide and, and, and understand what we need and how do, how we build our IAM, our overall cybersecurity, our zero trust infrastructure. And I think this is where, where these models have proven to be very helpful, also together with the reference architectures. And so, yes, it's important to have these these concepts and go away from, oh, I have a problem, I buy a tool, to I have my my framework in which I then um, subsequently improve what I'm doing in identity and, and cybersecurity. Absolutely. If I think back one year to December 2021, I would not have dared to make any, any um, thoughts about the following year. Um, do we dare to make any um, expectations to, to uh, tell us, uh, anybody what we think will happen in 2023 in the cybersecurity in IAM, or are we reluctant to do so? So I, th I think there are a couple of things where, where I expect some progress. So there, there are some open themes we, we, we just start to talk about, like, uh, we need to get better in ownership, like not only ownership of technical accounts with from IGA to PAM, but also for integrating identity management and data ownership, integrating identity management code ownership to have really consistent transfers and, and well well working mover and lever processes that, that care for for transfer of ownership. So this is more, more on the uh, sort of the foundational side of things. Um, we, we already touched policy based access and, and trust in time, and we see a huge uptake here already happening in. In the space of developing digital services, where where we see more and more use of technologies such as or standards, uh, such as OPA, the policy agent, but um, also we we ho hopefully see more in the sort of the the standard applications and legacy IT. And I always say it's, it's not a new topic because IBM released RACF back in 1976, so 46 years ago, and so that concept is not new. We need to make it work, and we need to use it way more broadly and policies are a key element in zero trust so we anyway need to get better here so i, I think this will be something where we see see quite some evolution in the next year um, we will see further evolution around all the authentication stuff with some of the mfa methods being a bit under pressure from a security perspective um, we we surely see then also more integration to whatever fraud intelligence um, generally speaking a bit more of, of AI-powered uh, solutions, and also the uptake in, in, in using managed services will continue, include, including also using more as-a-service deployments. As I said, the, it still means you, you need to understand what you're doing. You need to, you have your own responsibilities, but we will will see an evolution, and surely we'll see more happening in practical use of decentralized identity. And, and one of the hot topics also is how can, can you optimize onboarding processes of for, for identities, for different types of identities, be it workforce, in a work from anywhere world, be it your customers and consumers. Um, there, there's still, still a lot of room for, for evolution um, 
in 2023. And cybersecurity and identity will remain so important that organizations will need to continue and also benefit from their investments in these areas. Absolutely. And that was really an extensive list of areas to watch. So for the audience, if you just rewind a bit and take notes, I think these are really important um, aspects to have a look um, at. And when it comes to predictions, I usually, I'm a bit reluctant, but one prediction I dare to do um, from Kupinger Coal Analyst, there will be a new set of services, new digital services being made available early next year, early 2023. So you please watch out, uh, watch the space at kupingercoal.com for new interactive digital um, user experiences focusing on decision makers and vendors. And that will be um, yeah, released early February, I assume, so some, sometime yeah. early next year. So this is really something to look forward to. I don't give away any names. I'm not allowed to. Uh, but there will be uh, more to uh, see, and we will talk about it extensively early next year. Yeah. And this will be powered, so to speak, by all, all the knowledge, all the experience we have accumulated over two decades now. And it will seamlessly integrate with sort of the human services. So if you need stuff, input talks beyond the digital services, there will be always a continuous flow um, to engage with us directly. Right. So no fears. We, you, we as analysts won't be replaced by ChatGPT. We will be there, but there will be more technology to support us, to augment us, to give better user experiences. Thank you very much, Martin, for sharing your insights, for Thank having you. a look back at 2022 and the outlook on to uh, 2023. And uh, we will be back early um, January with the next episode of this podcast. This is the final one for 2022. Um, but watch this space. We will be back with a new episode very soon. Thanks again, Martin. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>